Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tim, I do not have Sister Amy putting uh, the, all the verses up on the screen. So if you want to open your Bible and follow along, I can actually see my Bible now that I got glasses. So uh, I'll be reading from there. But we're going to look at verse 13 for a text tonight. Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation also make a way escape, that you may be able to bear it. So what we're going to talk about tonight, looking in this eighth lesson of this uh, authentic Christian life series that we've been going through 1 Corinthians, is Paul is talking here in this 10th chapter about overcoming temptations, the dangers that believers face uh, when we do not flee temptation. And uh, he gets, as you look at what's happening here in this part of the letter, Paul's, he, uh, last week we were talking about chapters 8 and 9, the discussion and the problem uh, that believers were facing as was related to meat, that they was, had been sacrificed to idols. And as we looked at that, and, and studied that and, and uh, seeing how Paul approached that. There were some uh, who saw a problem in them partaking of it because it was dedicated to a dead God. And while others saw it as sin, Paul addressed that the issue, that was, there was nothing fundamentally wrong with eating the meat, but that as believers that we should do nothing that would cause another believer to stumble. And then the problem of idolatry was so great a temptation in that time of history for God's people that Paul felt compelled that in this that he continue on in this letter and as he continued on in the letter he begins to address the matter of idolatry he begins to talk about uh, he's going to accomplish uh, this by going into Israel's history in the Old Testament and showing time how time and again that in spite of all the blessings and all the privileges and all the promises that they had received from God, that they found themselves giving in to temptation and giving in to worshiping false gods. Um, how many would agree that reading the Old Testament and reading about uh, the children of Israel in the Old Testament is a lot like going to an amusement park and riding a roller coaster? Just they're, they're up and they're down and they're cut off and they're brought back in and uh, that's a, and that was because they continued to fall into temptation of, of worshiping false gods. So Paul's words here in this passage, he's, he's serving uh, not just an important lesson for those that he originally wrote this letter to, but it's, it's for us too because if we're real honest, uh, it's probably in some of our Christian walks and our Christian lives, uh, if it, maybe early on in Christianity, we too may have been like a, a roller coaster. We may have been... Uh, I know a lot of teenagers and young Christians have been that way, in and out, up and down, and and uh, then you get disappointed in yourself because I gave in to that again, or I failed again, or I, man, I should have been more spiritually strong than that. I shouldn't have done that, and the devil loves to jump all fours with that, and 
and uh, the devil begins to preach real good sermons at that point. He begins to uh, preach the word to you real heavy there in those areas and saying that you're supposed to be perfect. You know, you're supposed to be perfect as God is perfect. And, and so we find ourselves in that same. So we can learn lessons from what Paul is uh, saying to us that just like the Israelites, we've been given great spiritual privileges. We've been given great benefits and uh, liberty we have been given. Everything that we need to live a godly life has been placed there for us. He's given us everything that we need to stay in step with the Spirit of God. We've been given the Word of God as a road map. We've been uh, given, the, as we talked about uh, Sunday, an unstoppable anointing that can fill our lives and, and everything that we need to accomplish the task at hand. Yet, it seems like it's so easy, though, to fall prey to the flesh, to fall prey to the temptations of the world that threaten to lead us away from God. We know we should not give in to it, but we find ourselves there at times. Paul understood that this was the issue at stake for the church, that young church there in Corinth as a body of Christ followers who had proven to be very prone to compromising with the world. We've seen this all the way uh, through these first nine chapters. This young church was very... Uh, prone to just give in to what was going on and get distracted. Remember, Paul's always, get back over here. Get your mind back over here. And, and we have to do the same thing. The, so he used this example of the Israelites in the wilderness uh, to serve as a profound reminder of what could happen if we're not careful with our Christian freedoms that we've received. And we shouldn't take for granted those freedoms. And it also serves as a, 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 a real profound reminder for us to realize that not only it may not be the same kind of idols that was there in Corinth and and that and even today in the Middle East the idols that they have but we have idols today that exist today what is an idol an idol is anything that we choose to serve other than God that simple it, that's what represents an idol. Anything that we choose to serve other than God. Anything that we put before God. Anything uh, that we set up there. So Paul's instructions are clear that we've got to flee from idolatry. And so that's, that's what he's talking about in this section of his letter is overcoming temptation. Uh, so as we look here in these first 13 verses, uh, Paul writes here, and I'll just read these verses to us tonight. He warns, gives warnings, uh, and he brings those warnings from Israel's history. We can find some warnings in American history. We can find some warnings uh, in our family history. It, you don't have to look very far, really, in history to find some warning signs and some things that we learn from. So he said, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant uh, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples. 
to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also, uh, also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And then our text, there hath no temptation taken you, such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He's, he's giving here that, uh, letting us know that, uh, that Israel had some blessings that they experienced during their time of Exodus, uh, and in spite of these privileges, uh, that they they still gave in to temptation. Uh, and he began to talk about some of the things that they did: fornication, idolaters, murmuring, and complaining, and all of these things that they faced. and And they succumbed to these temptations. They gave in to it. It's very easy uh, now. When we think of temptations, we may think of things like fornication, adultery, uh, adultery, and idolatry, and all of those other things. But one that is very interesting there that sticks out to me is in verse 10, Neither murmur ye as some of those also murmured uh, and were destroyed of the destroyer. We may not find ourselves uh, in those big name uh, uh, sins, but we do find ourselves, if we're honest, uh, we may find ourselves very apt to murmur to complain, to get in. And he said, don't fall into that. And he said uh, that all of this that they went through and all of this uh, that their forefathers had faced and, and succumbed to and gave into uh, and, and the history that's set there, he said, you can learn from history. They were, it was an example to us. Uh, some of the greatest examples that we'd love to have somebody in, in, that's in front of us setting the example of what to do but they, that also, those same ones that we learn what to do, sometimes we can learn what not to do. I found that I can uh, teach my children uh, to, many times I can tell them, do this, it, I did this, it worked for me, and, you know, I can tell them, stay in the Word of God. The instructions that I give my children uh, any time that I have, uh, have to have that conversation with them is the problem is this, you're not starting your day in prayer, and you're not starting your day in the Word of God. Well, how do you know that, Dad? Because I fell into struggles and conflicts and temptations I, when I didn't start my day in the Word of God, and when I am not in a daily relationship relationship with his word and with him uh, we open ourselves up to every other avenue so uh, we we know that so the example is this uh, read the word of God pray uh, do what I do that example but I can also tell them here's another example and we have to be transparent sometimes I did this and it brought me destruction I went I chose this path one of my uh, favorite groups uh, Actually, just uh, just a local uh, group here in Florida that, that sung years ago, Pentecostal Expressions, and they starting line of one of their songs that says, "I chose the wrong road. It looked good to me. 
I chose the wrong road. It looked good to me. And so he's saying, learn. This is an example to others to say, when you choose the wrong road, there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end is the end is the ways of destruction. And, and so that's not just the Word of God, but there's those of us that say, yeah, I went too far down the wrong road and found that I hit a brick wall or I came to a dead end. So I had to turn around. So what do we do? What, what, what should we do when we come back down that road that we know that led to destruction? Many don't do this, but we could be an example and be a help to others to resist temptation. If we come back down, back down that road, we go ahead and throw up a roadblock sign. Go ahead and take and barricade it off that nobody else in our life, uh, and, and, and physically we may not do that, but we need to mentally make a note of that and spiritually for loved ones in our lives, uh, put that roadblock there. Uh, maybe it's a way of advice. Maybe it's a way of, of instruction, but saying do not go down that road. Some are going to still jump over the barricades, and they're going to try it anyway, but we must do our part to realize that when we think we stand, we better take heed. When we think we've got it all figured out, we better take heed. He said, there's no temptation, though, that's taken you, but such is coming to man. We think that we're the very first ones to go through it. And so Paul just lets us know, history shows you're not the first one to go through it. History shows you're not the first one to be tempted. You're not going to be the last one to be tempted. Uh, that we all suffer and we all face it. Uh, and it's, it's, but God is faithful is what it comes back to. And he will not suffer you to be that tempted uh, that above that you're able. What does that mean? Does that mean uh, uh, that temptations will never come? And, and people love to take this verse and say, God knows our load limit and he'll just keep loading us down. Into it. That's not what that verse means at all. It says that God is faithful. And then knowing that with the temptation, he'll make a way of escape. Uh, because too many people think, I succumbed to temptation. I, I, I fell underneath the load. I'm done for. I'm finished. No, God is faithful. God is faithful. And he will make a way of escape. Uh, he will make a way of escape from the temptation. But he will also make a way of escape when you've fallen into temptation. God's not going to leave you there. You're not a failure because you fell. You're a failure because you refuse to get up. When God is saying, I will pick you up and I will pull you out. So he uses this history. And then he just, he just simply states, really, it takes him several verses in 14 through 22 to explain it. But he, he, gives, he lays it out in verse 14 and then expounds upon it in the next several verses. But simply flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. He goes... Uh, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which you bless is not the is not is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which you break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of the one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partaker of the altar. What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say... The things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? 
Some folks need to heed to that message today. Paul's wrapping up this section of the letter by offering some general warnings about the dangers of idolatry. And, and he's, he's telling the main concern here uh, is that believers are participating in, in pagan uh, rituals and secular things and worldly things. Uh, that should still be the concern today that, uh, that people want to do what he's saying there, uh, is that, that they're making these idols. And he says that in, in verse 20 uh, that the Gentiles sacrifice the sacrifice of devils and not of God. And he said, I would that you would not have fellowship with devils. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and drink the cup of the devil. And there's people that's continuing. This was not just a problem in Old Testament. This is not just a problem in the time of the Corinthian church. But it's a problem in our society today that people think I'll drink from God's cup and the devil's cup. I'll live for God on one hand and live for God, uh, the devil on the other hand. You can't serve two masters. You serve the one, love the one, and hate the other. And so this was the, he was saying you have to flee that kind of mindset. You've got you to flee idolatry, not just uh, uh, flee away from the things of the world, not just flee from the thoughts of idolatry. Not, he says, but flee, get away from it. Get away from the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Nobody wants to hear about sanctification and holiness and, and modesty and all of those things anymore. Why? Because that tells them you can't drink from two cups. It tells them, that tells them uh, that you're going to have to throw one cup away, that you're going to have to throw, uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, Paul said. There has to be a newness of life. There has to be a transition that takes place. Uh, do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Uh, he says, are we stronger than he uh, to think that we can do whatever we want to do and still add God to it? Uh, and, and Paul is saying this is a very dangerous thing. He's saying flee that, run from that. This is not just to Corinthians believers in this uh, living in a pagan society uh, uh, trying to formulate and grow into new Christians, uh, Gentiles trying to figure it all out. Uh, but this is for us here today uh, in this century, in this time, uh, to realize that we need to flee idolatry. We need to flee anything uh, that puts itself in the place, in the position uh, to take uh, away from our relationship with God. Our time spent with Him our time spent in doing what he's called us to do and being what he's called us to be, uh, we realize uh, it, it does not take a rocket scientist to look around and figure out uh, that many people have many idols and they put it before God. You can measure it in church attendance across this nation. Uh, that the, the statistics show it, uh, that people will show up for church on Sunday morning, a little less on Sunday night, and a lot less on Wednesday night. Why? Because other things have taken precedence it in their life. Uh, they'll drink from God's cup on Sunday morning, uh, but come Wednesday night, I've got to drink from the world's cup. I've got to drink from this cup and that cup and this cup. Uh, they've got too many things. They're too busy uh, for God. We cannot get too busy from God. Paul was saying, flee that kind of mentality. Flee that kind of mentality. Then he goes on to, to, to remind us that we have a lot of freedoms, do all that we do for the glory of God. Seems to be that common theme that he brings throughout this whole book. But we have some freedoms. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we need to use those freedoms wisely, Paul says. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. 
All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to, to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showeth it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other, for why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Paul turns this and addresses the issues again of whether they should be prohibited from eating that leftover meat sold in the markets after these pagan festivals. He goes back to that. And he instructs the Corinthian believers... Uh, uh, it, he gives them instruction on what to do if they are invited to that unbeliever's meal. And he just bl tells them there that what we need to do is do all things for the glory of God. And, and that's how he sums up this chapter in verses 31 through 33. Do all for the glory of God. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatever you do, do, do all to the glory of God. Give not offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of man, that ye may be saved. I, I love verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat, or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. In everything do you do. Remember that an idol can be defined as anything, any person uh, that we begin to put and serve before God and make priority over uh, our God. What standards here is, is Paul telling here to exercise these freedoms? He said, no matter what you're eating, no matter what you're drinking, he said, whatever you're doing, uh, are you doing it for the glory of God? of God. You're bringing Him glory. So we have to ask ourselves that question. If what I'm doing is not bringing glory to God, should I really be doing it? And so as we, we look back and we review uh, what Paul writes here in this chapter, he reminded these believers in Corinth that God's chosen people, the Israelites, have been blessed with so many spiritual experiences, yet most of the people ultimately displeased God. Paul urged them to avoid uh, the mistakes that the Israelites made of, of taking their liberties with their spiritual freedom because they believed they were safe from all these temptations. Uh, so Paul tied this idea into the issue of eating meals in a pagan temple, warning these believers uh, that these gatherings and scents fall, uh, involve fellowship with demons. He then offered a practical guideline for eating meat from the temple, sold in the marketplace, and accepting dinner invitations from unbelievers. So the main lesson that Paul was giving here uh, is in verse 12 is, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed, uh, lest he fall. Uh, so his, his main point here uh, from all of this experience is take heed. Uh, and he summarized 
summarizes in verse 14 uh, the strategy of dealing with situations uh, like the ones that they were facing there and participating in those pagan feasts. Uh, Paul takes with three words, three words, the strategy for them dealing with that situation that they face, and three words that we can use as a strategy when we're faced with these things. And it's found in, in verse 14. Uh, anybody take care to take a stab at what those three words are? He said, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Get out. Stay away. Run from it. I'm preparing a message now about Joseph. And that's what Joseph did. He got out. He fleed. So we need to seek uh, instead of our own uh, we need instead of our own will verse 24 uh, he said let no man seek his own but every man another man's wealth. Uh, he's telling us to put others before ourselves. Uh, and he summarizes that in verse 31, as I said, Wherefore, whatever we eat, whatever we drink, whatever we do, we do it for the glory of of God. Uh, and he's telling us that we need to, to apply these messages uh, and the message here to our life uh, and know that we can take and reproduce this power uh, and we can reproduce this ability uh, to overcome temptation uh, if we will simply realize uh, I understand my load limit. You know what you can handle and what you can't handle. And as we reflect on the meaning, we want to talk about that a little bit tonight. How can we make sure that everything that we do in our life brings glory to God? The first step is to make sure that we flee temptation, flee idolatry, flee the very thought or the very act of putting anything before God. So in the, here, Paul, he provides simple yet practical advice there in verse 14. Flee from idolatry. Pretty simple, right? He understood that the temptation that the temples uh, there in Corinth represented to believers, and he wanted them just stay clear of anything that will cause you to fall. That's good advice. Not just to young people, not just to young Christians. That's good advice to any of us. He said, Listen, wherefore, verse 12, wherefore that him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Too many people think, I've been in this so long, I'm not going to fall now. I, I'm not going to, there's no way the devil's going to get me. I've got it all figured out. Be careful. Be careful. Stay clear of anything that might cause you to fall. We knew, he knew uh, that he could not completely escape the world's influence, and we've got to realize that, that we don't want to willingly walk into situations that tempt us uh, to compromise our Christian values. Uh, so we have to be careful of that. There are situations, uh, uh, there, there are some situations in some areas and some places uh, that some people can walk through and see and it does not affect them one iota, not in the least. They don't think anything of it, uh, but in someone else it could just totally devastate. It could totally uh, pull them in. So the Lord gives instructions throughout the Word of God on how we successfully win this battle over temptation. That's not just Paul's instructions. It's not just the writings of Paul, but throughout the Word of God. First, we're told uh, uh, this by Jesus, request help in advance. 
He told his disciples in Matthew 6 and 13 in the Lord's Prayer, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He said, go ahead and ask in advance. Go ahead and make sure you've got reinforcements in place. Nobody really is expecting to get into a situation where they're tempted. We don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm just going to go out and see how close to the world I can get and see how many temptations I can just barely miss. But we know that there's the possibility that they will come. So he said, when you pray, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. I pray for my children. I pray for your children, your grandchildren. I pray for young Christians. I just simply pray, Lord, put a hedge of protection around them. We know at some point that, that God is going to get the confidence that he put in Job, and he's going to lower the hedge. So the devil can come in, and, and that's how we're made spiritually mature. But not everybody's ready for that hedge to be removed. Not everybody is ready for that intense spiritual warfare that Job had to face or go through. God is not going to save us today and put us through the intense warfare that Job went through tomorrow. That's not going to happen. So he teaches us to pray accordingly. Lord, go ahead and put that hedge because before we even encounter the temptation. Therefore, when he requested the disciples to keep watch with him in the garden, remember there in the garden of Gethsemane, the night of his arrest, he said this in Mark 14 and 38. Watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready. The flesh is weak. You better watch. He said, if you're not watching, if you're not staying spiritually focused, how many knows how easy it is to lose spiritual focus? As we said Sunday, the devil will lo loves to distract. He loves to distract. We, like, like I said, we, we are all born-again believers, and our desire is to live for the Lord, and we do, never, do not ever intend to bring a scar or a reproach to our testimony or to God or anything else, but the devil will do his very best to bring those distractions. He said, watch and pray, because lest ye enter into temptation is what he is saying there. If you don't watch and pray, you're going to enter into temptation. If you do not, it's just this simple, church. If you do not have a daily prayer life and a daily time in the Word, you're going to fall into temptation. You're going to fall away from God. You close this book, and you say, I'm not going to read this, and you go a week without reading that. I can tell you, it won't even take a week. It will not even take a week. I don't know about anybody else, but I can go 30 minutes without eating, and I get hungry. I love to eat food. And so it'll take a little bit. After a day or so without a meal, I think, man, I'm going to die. It's the same way spiritually. It's not just thinking you're going to die. You will die if you do not watch and pray spiritually. Uh, God, it is just so, uh, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, and if we really pay attention to it, God created us in the spiritual aspect of, of born-again believers. We're created uh, in the same fashion, in the same form, in the same likeness. In the beginning, when he created man, and he uh, uh, created them from the dust of the ground and breathed breath into them, he, he created us in the likeness and image of God. Scripture tells us that in Genesis. 
We know that that was flawed when Adam fell into sin uh, and Jesus had to become that second Adam. He was the firstborn of a new creation. Uh, and so that's when we were born again and we were born again of the Spirit. So now we have two bodies. We have a physical body and a spiritual body, but there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, both require food. One physical food, the other spiritual food. There's things that we have to do to survive physically. Eat, drink, breathe. Try to cut them out and see how long you last. Three things that we need spiritually. Eat, drink, breathe. He said, this is my flesh. Eat. This is my blood. Drink. He said, behold, I am the breath of God. He breathes his breath into our nostrils. Uh, and so he's telling us, watch and pray. If you do not, you're going to enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Second, we're told to retreat. Retreat. What does that mean? Run, baby, run. There's people that want to be the greatest warrior in the greatest battle, and, and there's a lot to be said about a hero that when everybody else runs out, uh, they run in. Uh, there, there's something great about that. They, those are the stories that, that get the attention. They make the bestseller list. Uh, they make the box office and movies uh, when the hero runs in. Uh, but can I tell you, there is a heroic uh, effort there when you realize uh, that you are not going to win this battle. So retreat, uh, get out, uh, run. Joseph uh, showed us that. Many others have showed us that. In many instances, we're encouraged uh, to stand and fight. But Paul states here that we're to flee idolatry. Uh, there's times that we got to stand our ground, uh, but there is never a time uh, to get there uh, when we should be retreating. If anything smacks of idolatry and threatens to take the place of God in our lives, he said, run from it. Don't play with it. Don't play around with it. Don't. I remember as a teenager that our pastor preached, the devil's not a fox that you can put in a box. People try to think they can just take him out, play with him, put him back in the box. The devil is, is not a play toy. The devices of the world are not things to play around with. We, we're very, very dangerous things when we begin to dabble in the occult. I was getting my glasses a couple of weeks ago, and the guy looked at my birthday, and he came across, oh, you're a Scorpio too. And he told me when his birthday was. I didn't even acknowledge it because I know that I'm a Scorpio because I've lived 40-something years, and you've heard it a time or two. There's people going to pull up the newspaper or pull up whatever to see what... And it's real. People think, oh, it's so accurate. And it is. The devil is a powerful force that cannot be played with. The devil is a powerful force. I love what Brother Clendenin said one time. He said, people try to play around with this stuff, and they say, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you your phone number. He said, I already know my phone number. I don't need you to tell me it. Tell me something that God, only God can know. 
And he, he's, he's not talking so much about those at the county fair uh, as those that's pulled that kind of nonsense into the church to, 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 to mixture and pull it in uh, and pull it together and playing around with it. Paul said, don't play with it. Uh, don't mix it into the concepts of the church and into theology uh, and see uh, all, all these things to, to see how we can incorporate it and, and, and see how it would be helpful to help other people uh, and how can we tie this in to reach more people. He said, no, run from it as fast as you can. Run from it as fast as you can. I've heard people say, uh, you walk into a church and they start doing, what should I do, pastor, if I walk into church and they do that? Uh, and, he, and I've heard them say, uh, don't just walk away, run. Don't wait for the church service to get over with. Run. If you walk in and they're dabbling in this occult, dabbling in this witchcraft, trying to put a mixture of these idolatrous acts and these worldly things, and all of this stuff is being a mixture. And Paul just tells later, he instructs young Timothy as a young preacher and as a young minister. He tells him in 2 Timothy 2 and 22, flee youthful lusts. Flee. You're not strong enough to overcome that, son. Run from it. Get away from it. He knew that there was no victory when we try to come, go into combat with lust. Lust is a counterfeit for love. And every, it seems like for every Christian value, the devil has created a counterfeit. But none greater, it seems, than this one. He said your only victory in that is to retreat. Not to sit there and say, I can handle this. I can handle this. There is no man in his right mind that can handle sitting there watching nudity and just filling his mind with it and be all right. He said, don't do it. Flee that. Flee. That's what he means. Flee youthful lust. Don't put yourself in a position. Uh, and that's not just something you have to tell yourself when you're 16 years old. Uh, it's something you have to tell yourself when you're 46 years old uh, and 56 years old. As long uh, as you have a, a, a male body uh, and females the same way, you know what the things are to you. Uh, I say that because men are more visual. Men are more what they see. Women have their own temptations and other things that they succumb to. Uh, but Paul's talking to young Timothy here. He's saying, flee these. It means that we're not to put ourselves in a compromising situation uh, where we're susceptible to strong temptations. He said, flee, get out. Don't try to be the hero. Don't try to say, I can handle this and, and I can do this and I'll be all right. And then thirdly, he said, we've got to remove any means of sin. Fleeing idolatry means to get rid of the things in our lives that cause us to be defeated. Uh, so not just those things that draw us into temptation. Uh, there may be some things in our life, as we said, that, that's not sin to somebody else. That's why he said, the writer of Hebrews said, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset us. Uh, after a while, that that is weighing you down uh, will cause you to sin because you'll be defeated. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 29, did I give you that one? And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. He's saying... If your eye offends you, 
Maybe it's something you read. Maybe it's something you watch. Maybe it's certain people that you associate with. Sometimes you've got to cut people off. It's not easy, but sometimes you have to do it. Because I said earlier, some people are going to jump over the barricades. Misery loves company. You get that? Some people love to be miserable, and they love being miserable even more if they can make you miserable with them. Misery loves company. And going back to murmuring and backbiting and complaining, uh, you may be a good godly person who wouldn't say anything about anybody at any given time, uh, but you're surrounded by people that always are murmuring, complaining, and gossiping. Time to hang up the phone. Time to cut them off. Uh, years ago, there was a lady uh, in my church, sweet, sweet lady, and then there was another church, lady in the church, not so sweet. And she would call her, uh, and, and they would talk about everything. They were real good friends, real close friends, uh, and, and had been for years. Uh, and, of course, the sweet lady liked me. But the sour lady didn't. I don't know why. But she calls her up one day, and she's she wanting to have me for lunch, I guess. She just wants to tell her all about what I'm doing wrong. And that was probably a lot because I was a 27-year-old pastor. I couldn't think of probably much I was doing right in some people's eyes. My first church, my fat, first pastor, 27 years old. Uh, the, some have even said I shouldn't have been pastoring because I wasn't 30 yet and all, all kinds of stuff. But she's just laying into her and she just stops her mid-sentence. She said, listen, you want to talk about the weather? I'll talk about the weather. You want to talk about uh, music, I'll talk about music. Whatever you want to talk about it. But if you've called to talk about my pastor, I'm hanging up. Sometimes we just got to cut it off. If it's pulling us down, if it's, if it's bringing a reproach to, to the Word of God, to the man of God, to the house of God, to the things of God, if, there, if somebody's just always got to be complaining and always got to be gossiping and always be running it down, and, and uh, you know, it's at some point you just have to tell them. There's, there's times that I've, I've just come out and told people that I'm not going to listen to that. And I've heard people say over the years, my ears are not trash cans. And so we have to know when to do that, what not to read. We may, there are some people that just love to read, and they'll just read and read and read. But you've got to be careful what you read. You have to be careful what you read. Our, our children are being drawn into that. They, there's a lot of interest level that is in that. We've, we face that with our teenage kids. They, they get involved with, with books and different things that others are reading and, and they're, they're interested in all of that, but trying to put their interest in this, oh, reading the Bible's boring. But they'll read everything else. What we're watching, we, we sit there and, and what, things that we'll, we'll entertain ourselves with and we'll, we'll watch and we'll watch and we'll watch. That preacher's too long-winded. Can't sit here and watch him preach all that time. People were associated with it. So many people fall into temptation at the same place, at the same time, with the same people, in the same set of circumstances, over and over and over again. Because we didn't close the book, we didn't turn it off, we didn't tell them, we don't want to tell them to shut up, just hush. Or, I don't want to hear it, and walk away from it. And if that's all you're ever going to talk about, Maybe we shouldn't talk as much. 
That seems mean, it seems harsh, but we have to do that for our own spiritual benefit at times. There's instruments that Satan uses to defeat us. we got to get rid of them. Some people are not going to serve God. You know a hard lesson that I have found out over the years of serving God, of being in ministry, not everybody that's in church, that attends church, is saved. People say, I don't want to go to church with hypocrites. Well, there's no pastor that wants to pastor hypocrites, but sometimes we do. And some people's just not going to change. They're not, they're not going to. They, if they didn't get saved under the preacher before you, they probably ain't going to get saved under you either because they choose not to. The devil loves to plant those that he can plant because here's the reality. If people choose not to be spiritual, the devil will pull them in and use them for his glory. But you have to determine, I am not going to be used for the glory of the devil. I'm going to be used for the glory of God. Because there's an instrument that Satan is going to use to defeat us, and he does not care what that instrument is. He does not care if it's what you read, what you watch, or a friend that you've grown up with your whole life. He doesn't care. Finally, we've got to replace bad influences with good ones. Proverbs 13 and 20, we read this. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So as Christians, we want to be with the people of the world so that we can influence them for Christ. That makes sense. But we've got to guard against their influences. We have to guard against being influenced by them. We have to be, be careful of... Uh, uh, ministry is important. Outreach is important. But we really, really have to be careful how far we go in doing that if we are not as spiritually strong as we need to be. That's why we stress the importance of being saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And that anointing, that unstoppable anointing of, of, of the Lord. And so there has to be that. We've got to guard ourselves against those things. And, and there is times that people is going to be delivered from a certain sin, and that's the ones they're going to reach. But not the day after they get saved. They can't go back around that lifestyle they have to, to grow so we must surround ourselves with wise mature committed christians that's why the house of god is important yeah we can read the bible for ourselves yes we can pray for ourselves we should be doing that church should never take the place of daily bible reading daily prayer a daily walk with god working out our own salvation with fear and trembling it never takes the place for that but it is a place that we come that we draw strength from one another there's there's power uh, in, in worship there's power in believers uh, that come to the house of god and when we come to the house of god not only do we need to draw strength from others but there's others that need to draw strength uh, if we say yes i can i can read my bible and pray at home i can be spiritually strong i can be a strong christian at home why would you want to be 
Wow, if you're that spiritually strong. I see all of these people that, that, that say, I don't need church. Uh, have you ever thought as if you're as spiritually strong as you say you are, there's people that's coming to that church that needs you there. They need that. They need to glean from that strength. Uh, so it isn't always coming to be a consumer to get what you can get out of the house of God. But the Old Testament said uh, that the instruction was that the people would bring the olive, that they would beat the, beat the olives and bring pure olive oil and put it in that lamp, that the lamp of God, there's a lamp that's burning on the altar of God, and it's going to go out uh, if people of God are not praying at home, uh, fasting at home, studying the Word of God at home, uh, growing at home, and coming to the house of God and pouring that oil and that that you've got in your prayer closet, bringing that with you, coming into his gates with thanksgiving and praise, coming in with worship, coming in with expectation. Too many people, they leave church on Sunday morning, and by next Sunday morning, they're about half backslidden, need to get saved all over again, and need the preacher to hype me up, need the praise team to give me something to get excited about. Oh, but just think if we could get in the Word of God and then we come together with people with that same passion, what God could do in this place, what God would do in this place when we begin to surround. So when it comes to winning the battle against temptation, our text, but it's simple. No temptation has taken you such as common to man, but God will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God will give us the strength to endure any temptation if we just simply rely on him, rely on him. We, everybody wants to be strong, I get it. But doesn't scripture say that when we are weak, then we are made strong? When we recognize our weaknesses, and we've talked about this before, when you interview somebody, what's your strength, and you get to sit there for three hours to listen to that. What's your weakness? Oh, I don't have any. I can't think of any. We need to realize that I'm weak in this area. Because when you're weak in that area, do you know your body just does that naturally? If, if you have an infection or if you've got cut, there's a defense mechanism that goes from brain activity that automatically other parts of that body responds to protect that vulnerable part of your body. You ever notice that? But there's always a coffee table that will try to hinder that as well but the rest of your body is always there to defend the weaker part of the body it's the same way that we need to be spiritually when we know our weakness and not just know our we don't have to go around telling everybody i'm weak in this area we don't have to go around i got a lust problem i got a drinking problem i got this problem i got that problem nobody's asking us to do that but we we have to recognize. We have to recognize. I'm weak in this area, so I have to protect myself in this area. Because nobody else can do that for you. Because we, are, we, we have a tendency of being private, and that's important. We have our right to privacy. And accountability is, is a wonderful thing, but... It's a touchy thing anymore because who can you be accountable to? We just talked earlier about we've got friends that are gossips. I don't want to be hold myself accountable to them, right? Because it'll be in the bulletin. 
It'll be in the next newsletter. It'll be on the next phone call. Remember, if somebody will talk about somebody else to you, they'll talk about you to somebody else. So accountability, yeah, it's a good thing, but you better know your accountability partner. You've got to hold yourself accountable to God. You've got to hold yourself accountable to yourself. You can't try to fool yourself and say, I'm good in this area. i got this figured out. You know where you're weak, and you have to protect that area of your life. Take necessary precautions to avoid compromising situations and follow the Lord's way out. Depend on Him for strength, and He will see us through. As we stand tonight, as we approach that, the altar, that would be a, a good place for each one of us to focus on tonight, o- overcoming. In order to overcome temptations, you have to admit that you've, you're tempted at times. There's... As we said, there's different temptations for men and women. There's different temptations for young and old. There's different temptations for everybody. You know, you know where you have to focus at. So ask yourself this question as you you come to the altar and ask for strength tonight. What are some changes that I need to make in my life to enable me to be able to overcome temptations that come my way? We know Word of God and prayer Where do I need to put up some stronger reinforcements? And what's some things I just need to run from? Right? What's some things, if I see it up the road, I just need to turn around and go that way. Because I can't handle that right now. I've got to grow stronger in that area. Until God gives me strength in that area, I can't get anywhere near that. I can't do it Uh, You know, just outside of the spiritual realm. A recovering alcoholic knows. Somebody who's trying to quit smoking. For us, we're like, oh, cigarette smoke, that's awful. For them, it's like, just a craving begins to come up in there. For for drug addicts, somebody who's, who's went through. I've read stories about drug addicts who've gone through all the withdrawals and went through months of of just staying sober staying away from the drugs just one moment of weakness one moment of weakness boom they're back into that spot so what is those areas it may not be as big as a drug problem it may not be as you know any of those big things but it's the small foxes that spoil the vine small things weights Little areas of compromise. Little areas. Little things that we've put before God. So only you know what those things are. But let's just ask God as we pray tonight, as you gather in these altars tonight, Lord, I need you to strengthen me in this. And you can whisper it so nobody around you hears you. Strengthen me in this area, Lord. Because I know I'm weak in this area. I'm apt to fail in this area, God. Lord, give me the speed that I need to run from this when I need to. Father, we just love you and thank you tonight that you keep us, that you're faithful. And we just want to be sure that we stay faithful, Lord. And just like we want to be sure that we stay faithful, the devil wants to be sure that we don't. He's doing everything that he can to hinder and prevent us from being everything that you want us to be. We've become his target when we've determined, I want to serve God with all of my heart. 
He's going to bring distractions. He's going to bring temptations. He's going to bring whatever he can to hinder us. But I don't want nothing here to hinder me, God. So as we enter this time of prayer, God, help us to reflect upon ourselves and our areas of weakness that we need to be strengthened in, that we can leave here better tonight, God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.